Good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. The program's designed for, well, someone like me. You know, there's a lot I don't understand. Now, it doesn't have to be soul-shaking. It might just be something on my mind. And I find that rather than getting into a deep theological chapter and verse discussion, a, a casual front porch style talk of the pastor is often the best way to understanding. And that's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Bill Swirla. He's pastor of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. I have my questions, and I'm sure that you have yours. You can email us anytime at Let's Talk at kfuo.org or call during the program at 314-821-0850 in the St. Louis area, that includes Metro East, or anywhere in North America, toll-free at 800-730-2727. Welcome back to the Front Porch, Bill. Good to be back, Kip. Yeah, it is, it is. We've got uh, a lot of things going on. And uh, one of the things that's happening this weekend, obviously we know about Ascension Sunday and all, but... It's also Mother's Day. Well, uh, Ascension Day. Ascension l- l- Day. Let's, let's be liturgically correct here. Okay? okay. So Ascension Day was yesterday. Um, if I may. Yeah. If I may. As a matter of fact, we even had a special service here at the IC. Well, good. good. Yeah. No, yeah. And well, you should. But, but the problem with Ascension Day, of course, is that it's, it's 40 days exactly after the resurrection. Uh, and so, 40 always puts you on a Thursday, (laughs) and and Thursday doesn't make for good church attendance. We had a uh, circuit-wide service. Uh, Our circuit uh, does a joint service for Ascension Day, and, you know, the the faithful come out, but it's it's not exactly a a packed house being Thursday evening. And that's kind of the way it goes on the busy work schedule and everything else. But but there's significance to the 40, you know, because 40 is one of those Bible numbers. Like I tell the preschool kids, the Bible numbers. So you have uh, Israel's 40 years. You have uh, Noah's 40 days of rain. You have our Lord's 40 days in the wilderness. And so this is his 40, his kind of wilderness walk as he leaves resurrection footprints in the present creation. And then he disappears, you see. So, and then the fifty, of course, is Pentecost and the harvest of the resurrection, all of that. But, but uh, the forty is significant. So we don't really want to lose that. But due to church attendance and other pragmatics, we tend to shift the emphasis to the seventh Sunday of Easter Sunday, and that's okay too, so okay. long as we recognize that the Lord reigns now. <laughs> Absolutely, and I didn't yeah. speak. This is one of the reasons why we have a pastor on this program. So that yeah, such a pain. We clergy are a real pain sometimes, but you know, it's kind of my job to just remind people the feast days. Well, there is liturgy. <laughs> yeah. There is a calendar. It's a beautiful thing. You know, in a sense, the Bible starts out with a calendar because it starts out with sacred time, the day and the week. And uh, so time is exceedingly important when it comes to worship, because worship takes place in space and time, and sacred time is very important. It is. It is. And one of the most important times, I think, coming up this weekend is Mother's Day. (laughs) 
Now, now this is not on the liturgical That's a nice segue, calendar. Isn't it? <laughs> I hasten to add, this is the this is the feast day of Saint Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't even. I don't know the history of Mother's Day, but I, I. I'm. I'm almost certain it's. It's not pre 20th century. I'm almost certain. Well, as a matter of fact, since you asked, I happen to have the history of Mother's Day here in front did you, of me. Did you do a Wikipedia on this one? I did indeed. Oh, awesome! What did you discover? Well, I discovered that the first Mother's Day was actually celebrated in 1908. That was when a woman named Anna Jarvis held a memorial service for her mother at St. Andrew's Methodist Church in West Virginia. Ah, okay, so context. First of all, I'm vindicated, 20th century. You're Barely. Right. I'm, I made it by eight years, but hey, you know, I'm in. And secondly, memorial service for her mother. Yes. Okay, that's, that's a little different than the vibe we're getting today on Mother's Day. Well, right? that's true. But I yeah. think that they're all linked. And yeah, her mother okay. passed away actually in, in 1905, but... Uh, Three years, okay. Yeah, three years. Mm-hmm. And um, she was really, you know, her mother was a pacifist. She worked as a nurse during the Civil War, treated wounded from both sides. Was apparently okay. quite a remarkable woman. And um, Jarvis said she believed that her mother, that a mother, let me rephrase that. Uh, she believes that a mother is, quote, the person who has done more for you than anyone else in the world. Now, in 1908, the U.S. Congress rejected a proposal to make Mother's Day official. <laughs> Congress rejected it. All right, go Congress. Yeah. And, well, uh, d- well, does it state the reason for the rejection? Yeah, they did, as a okay. matter of fact. They said uh-huh. they were afraid that if they did that, then they'd have to also proclaim a mother-in-law day. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be outdone, you know, no. the mother-in-law, the, the competing mother. <laughs> well, Miss Davis, not to be dismayed by this, mm. continued to push her efforts. And by 1911, all U.S. states observed the holiday. And in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson officially signed the designation for Mother's Day to be held on the second Sunday in May, a national holiday honoring all mothers. <laughs> now, you mentioned about the uh, that's the celebration for, I for when Father's. Hallmark. I wonder when Father's Day entered the picture. I suspect it was later. I, well, you know, <laughs> we you always know that, get shortchanged. <laughs> do, do you know that Father's Day is the day that the, the most collect phone calls are placed? <laughs> <laughs> Dad, I need money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dad, I, I don't even have money to call you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right. From yeah. jail. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, uh, the, the lady who did this, uh, actually, as you pointed out about uh, you know, St. Saint Hallmark Day, mm-hmm. she was furious about the commercialization of it. And Jarvis thought it misinterpreted the entire idea. And she actually threatened lawsuits against groups like Hallmark. Nice. Okay, now we're talking my language. Yeah. Here. Speak to me. Oh, she got really upset about it. She protested Candy Makers Convention in Philadelphia in 1923. And uh, she was also upset because carnations were associated with Mother's Day. And she yes. thought the selling of carnations by American war mothers to raise money, it angered her. And she was actually arrested for disturbing the peace. <laughs> no, no, this is taking on a kind of colorful history that I enjoy. This is why I enjoy history it's for little tidbits like this so this is this got kind of militant at some point oh absolutely i mean she really like it i like it a lot well you know she even trademarked the phrases second sunday in may and mother's day no really yeah 
Yes. <laughs> she was bound and determined not to let this thing go commercial. She failed. So but in, still. in its in its roots, and I think it's always good to understand, you know, what the core, the roots of a, a, a celebration is. This is this was a uh, a really solemn thing to recognize her her mother who had died and and to honor her memory and mm-hmm. and she was very much against the the commercialization of it or the use of it for 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 money making purposes. So. Wow, I don't think she'd be real happy about what goes on today in the name of mother. Probably not, but she was also <laughs> quite insistent on grammar that mothers well, that it sh- mothers should be singular possessive. So that's for each family to honor its own mother, not a plural possessive, commemorating all the mothers in the world. Very good. See, uh, suddenly my heart is strangely warmed within me as I hear this history. See, now we need to know that when we need to hear that. I, uh, and also, we need to remember, this is not on the church liturgical calendar, so don't get wound up in a bundle if your pastor or your congregation does not make a big deal over Mother's Day. There, there are probably good congregation pastoral church reasons not to mm-hmm. as well, and I'd be happy to talk about them if you ask. Well, I, since I do ask, indeed, this is a secular <laughs> holiday, but sometimes it does get confused, so let's, let's discuss that. Now, and it's not the secular thing per se, because because the church always lives in its culture and it lives in its society, and so. And I believe that the what we would, and I'm very uncomfortable with the sacred secular distinction as a hard distinction because there really isn't that. But but uh, the these matters of temporal significance, Fourth uh, of July, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, Mom's Day, Dad's Day. Uh, these are really appropriate uh, to find their way into the church's prayer, I think, that that it's a reminder, as, as the petitions, the prayers of the church always take into account current issues and current needs and local community interests, that kind of thing. Uh, I think that's a great place to give thanks to God for the gift of moms, uh, I, in my petition, I also pray that God would grant us uh, forgiveness where our moms have failed up to li- failed to live up to our lofty expectations. Uh, and some people genuinely have been hurt by their mothers. Oh, yeah. I know people. I know people who have been abandoned by their mothers at very young ages. She just left the family and left the kids with dad and disappeared. And so Mother's Day for them is a little on the bittersweet side. And so I think it's a great occasion to pray for the gift of forgiveness and and compassion and understanding, and also to ask God's blessing upon all mothers, uh, especially those who are carrying their unborn children, that mother and child would be kept in safety through childbirth. There's lots of prayer that can be uh, made, a lot of petitions that can be made for Mother's Day. Where I stop short is we don't change the lectionary. It will be the, it won't even be Ascension Day. It'll be the seventh Sunday of Easter with a little nod to the Ascension and a prayer for mom in the prayers of the church. But that's as far as we go in my congregation. Well, the Bible does address the concept of motherhood. Yeah. Well, yeah, M- motherhood's big. You know, the thing about motherhood, that's, 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 you always know who the mother is. Mm. 
Say, you know, I mean, that's 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 why there's so much anxiety <laughs> over over, you know, marriage and conduct and keeping track of, uh, you know, so and so beget so and so, because you always know who the mother is. Uh, and and of course, you know, obviously, obviously, um, when the the promise of salvation is tied to the mother that that then elevates it to a different level for us as believers right off the bat in genesis where where god curses the serpent the devil but in so doing he articulates the the core of the promise that through the seed of the woman uh the devil would be undone see and and so so the the old testament is always looking for the birth of that child and so childbirth and motherhood are huge is in the Old Testament because it's all tied to the promised Messiah of Israel, the Christ. And I think it's also remarkable that even today's Judaism, the lineage goes through the mother, not through the father. You know, it's it's the, the child. Because you always know who the mother is. <laughs> there was one of these farcical movies I watched a few years ago where... A couple is reunited, and the man is here with this little girl, and it's, and she says, "Who's that?" He goes, "She's the daughter you never knew you had." Yeah, well, <laughs> so there. I, I I like to think. Yeah, I had a little fun with my Bible class on Sunday. I said, "You know, think about it." Um, Jacob, the the twelve sons, the the tribes of Israel, the sons of Jacob. Uh, when you can have twelve, that that could burn out some women. So so Israel has actually four mothers. Because it it has Rachel and Leah the sisters, and it also has their uh, their their servants, their female servants. So the twelve sons of Jacob are by one father, but by four mothers. <laughs> and and my my ladies' Bible class, you know, they're just kind of they give you that look like oh, that's a thought I didn't want to think about. <laughs> But but motherhood and 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 childbearing in general is is huge, because in the Old Testament it is tied to the promise of salvation, the seed of Abraham, the seed of the woman, Genesis chapter three, and so then Mary emerges in the New Testament as the daughter of Zion, you know, Mother Israel, and she is the, the she's the one the one to bear the promised seed. You know, she fulfills. Uh, that that promise uh, that begins with Eve. She's kind of like the bookend yeah. to Eve. And so whenever we speak of mother, I guess we as Christians can't really talk too long without acknowledging the mother of our Lord, because our Lord has a mother too. So I suppose in a sense he celebrates Mother's Day too. Well, yeah, that's, that's another thing I wanted to get into is... Uh the role that Mary has within uh, within the Lutheran faith, uh, we revere her certainly, but she doesn't have the same she doesn't have the same status with us as she does, for example, with the Catholics. Well, there's a slight slip um, that's made in 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 Western, especially in Western Catholic theology. There, there's always a tendency to over revere. You know, when something is revered, then uh, if a little is good, more is better. 
Um, you also have creeping around in early church thought the the divine female. See, that was kind of a lack in Christianity because uh, the the revelation of God is is always in male terms: Father, Son, even Holy Spirit gets max gets uh, masculine pronouns. So, so when you're looking at at the pagan Greek culture, which had both male and female gods, and most paganism did too, even the old Baal cults did. Uh, there's kind of a lack, and so it's almost unnatural to want to kind of elevate Mary to a status at least equal to her son, which, of course, uh, Mary would be highly offended by. Uh, but that's that seems to be the roots of this overemphasis on Mary is is this need to have some kind of divine female to correspond to the divine male, namely namely Christ. And so what you have is you have Mary being the queen of heaven. Uh, but if Christ is the king, then his mother is not queen. See, there's a mistake. The, 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 his, his bride is the church. Now, in a sense, Mary might be archetypical of the church. That you can, that you can work with. The revelation would permit that because it moves from Israel to Mary to the church. But you have to be really careful about what theological place you assign to Mary in kind of the big biblical theology picture. I know. Uh, and this is one of the things uh, I've had some friendly disputes with, with Catholic friends of mine about how, how they, they, for example, will pray to Mary. You know, uh, uh, Mother Mary, pray for us now, something like that, uh, and, which is anathema to, to us. You, you just don't well, do you know, again, it's one of those natural things is, is, you know, how do you get to a firstborn son? Talk to his mother. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's nothing like that relationship <laughs> between a mom and her firstborn son. You almost catch little inklings of that in the, the wedding at Cana, the miracle of the wedding at Cana. They're all talking to her. Yeah. And, 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 and they have, the, and she and Jesus have this kind of this, this little, this little exchange that's kind of puzzling, you know, woman, what's it, what's this to us? I always find it curious also in the gospels that Jesus never calls her mother. He, I never noticed never, that. He'll never, he'll never let her play the mother card. He calls her woman. And in, in the, the, in the terms of the Greek of the New Testament, that's not being dishonorable or cheeky. It's, it's very, it'd be like our ma'am or madam or, yeah, this would be, this would be very honorific, but he doesn't, he doesn't let her play the mother card, uh, to, to the ultimate then at the cross. Woman, behold your son. Oh. And he entrusts her to the care of his beloved disciple. And see, I think there's the fulfillment of Genesis that a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. Um, so Christ leaves the father and now he leaves his mother. In, in, in a sense, he, and take this rightly, he, he disowns her. Uh, and he, he entrusts her to his beloved disciple because he must be joined to his bride, the church. And didn't Jesus also say on the Christ to, on the cross to Mary, uh, uh, no, no, to, I'm sorry, to, uh, to Peter, didn't, didn't he also say, son, behold your mother? No, same, same disciple. So it's woman, behold your son, 
behold your mother. Mm. And and see there, <laughs> as with so many things in John's gospel, there's layers. John 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 is like a big double entendre, sometimes even triple. But but in a way, it's kind of saying you. It's kind of saying this. It's like. Uh, New Testament, behold your mother, the Old Testament, because Mary is very much Old Testament. She's Mother Israel. She's the she's the epitome of all mothers. In fact, have you ever noticed that the mothers in the Old Testament were all barren at some level? <laughs> Sarah can't conceive. Hannah can't conceive. Um, you know, Rachel has trouble conceiving. They all have trouble conceiving, and and it's, it's and it's it's like God saying, "Look, I control the womb. This is my business here." And so now then you have the virgin womb, the Virgin Mary. So that's like the ultimate. But but it's a little bit like saying, you know, New Testament church, behold your mother, Old Testament Israel. Old Testament Israel, behold your son, the New Testament church. Uh, and, and I think there's there's overtones of that going on as well, because the incarnation of Christ, his being born of the virgin, is at the cusp of the old and the new. See, it stands right, right at, right at the, right at the cusp of the two. It does, I gather. But you know, I have to say, I never really thought of Mary as being an Old Testament type figure. Oh, very much so. She sings an Old Testament song. She sings Hannah's song, kind of duly revised, along with some, uh, some, some uh, phrases from the Psalms. In fact, everybody there, Simeon. In the temple, he's Old Testament. John the Baptist is is he's Elijah. He's he's Old Testament, and it's like the whole Old Testament is finally rejoicing that the fulfillment is here. The promised seed of Abraham has arrived, and that's the whole business of motherhood. That's why it's such a such a big tragedy in the Old Testament when a woman can't conceive because she can't be the mother of Messiah. She's mm. she's been ruled out, so obviously she's she's not in good. Um, it's a it's a far different picture in the New Testament where where the, the promised seed has come, and so you see an entirely different viewpoint going on in the New Testament than the old, um, and so it, it it all pivots around the incarnation. But I think it's it's valuable, and I'm happy that our conversation has gone first to the incarnation of our Lord and His becoming bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh of His mother. Because that that is kind of the Christological content of Mother's Day, the incarnation of our Lord. He he shares our humanity by way of his blessed Virgin Mother. Yeah, and that was certainly because you know, he he had to share everything that we did, that we are, to show us how he truly understands our plight. So when we look at our mothers, we have to always look at our mothers through the one who also had a mother. And, you know, it got testy at times, right? Remember that time in the temple? He was 12 years old and, and they lost him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and so you're they were unhappy. Looking all over. Where were you? No, they're not. And, and again, he says, don't you know that I'm supposed to be about my father's business? <laughs> Which is really, you know, it's like, what do you, what a trial that must have been. To be the mother of the Son of God, okay? No, no. I mean, you know, you can have like a, a precocious twelve-year-old, but yeah. really, this is this is like uh, this is over the top. But he has to remind her of who he is. 
Yeah, and and so this this is a great trial. And Simeon said that a sword would pierce her soul. Well, no mother wants to see the death of her son. How much more so uh, Mary standing at the foot of the cross, witnessing the crucifixion of her own son? Mm. And, yeah. and yet, I, 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead. And yet, this was something she probably knew from the beginning that that it was going to end this way, or not. I, I don't know that uh. she knew. You know, Mary, did you know? I don't think she knew <laughs> until it all played out. I don't think anybody could have known until it all played out. Simeon warned her, but eh. it it goes with the turf. It goes with the turf. So for these reasons and many more, she's to be highly honored and blessed among women. Uh, in fact, she fulfills the vocation of woman uniquely. It's the one thing women can't do that, or can do that men can't do. Bear children. Yeah. It, it'd kill us. Now, they can do most everything else, you know, depending on, you know, how their, their various gifts. But, but and, and Mary, giving birth to the Son of God, God in the flesh, fulfills that vocation. She is the fulfillment. So for that reason, she, she should at least get honorable mention on Mother's oh, Day at yeah. some, some level. You know, it's interesting to me that, you know, Joseph, although he was not Jesus' uh, Jesus' biological father, certainly was the man who raised him and was told in his vision who Jesus was. So that must have been an incredible not toll, an incredible burden or an incredible delight at the same time to know that his role was to be the surrogate father of the Son of God. Maybe we should talk about Joseph on Father's Day. Ah, great idea. I, I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. But um, Mom's Day, so we're kind of low-key here at Holy Trinity where I serve. I'm especially kind of pastorally aware of some of the issues, um, three of them. I mentioned one, people who have been abandoned or deeply hurt by their mothers. Yeah. Uh, second, of you know, our single moms, uh, who are moms they're, and in many ways, and sometimes the ignored moms are the moms that make some people uncomfortable. But uh, we have we have lots of those. And, and uh, I think on Mother's Day, the ones that get hit hardest are the the women who are trying to conceive and can't. Uh, for whatever reason, or maybe had tried in their childbearing years and like Hannah and like Sarah and like so many others, uh, but they didn't get the miracle or they, they never they never had the opportunity to have a child or raise a child. And, and for some, that conjures up some very deep, uh, I don't know, bitterness, sadness, grief, and and we got we have to recognize that on a day like mother's day when when we kind of just kind of go gaga over motherhood uh that it also pushes on that grief on the other hand we do all have this common we all have a mother that's true and so uh the originator of mother's day i think was right on point it's about our mother, the mother we had, that woman who put up with us for nine months in the womb and uh, who nurtured us when we were helpless and uh, who uh, bandaged our knees and uh, took care of us and threatened us with, wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> and no one can threaten like a mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's much to be said about that. I don't know yeah. how much time we have in this segment, but I, I'd like to come back you know, in the second half, if I could, to mother as the judge of temporal righteousness, because I think this is what makes motherhood so incredibly <laughs> difficult.
<laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We'll take that break right now, and we'll get right on to it. Here. Because Pastor Mark Smith is on assignment on Tuesday, the next Law and Gospel Monday will have him and myself, Tom Baker, talking about the hymn for the following Sunday, which is Pentecost. Then the readings will be done on Tuesday of that week. Listen to Law and Gospel weekday mornings beginning at 9.30 on KFUO. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson, host of Moments of Assurance here on Worldwide KFUO. Coming up on the next Moments of Assurance weekend, I'll be sharing thoughts with you about Psalm 121, where the psalmist begins, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills, from whence comes my help. Well, how about you? When's the last time you lifted your eyes to the hills? I'll talk about it. Coming up on the next Moments of Assurance weekend at 7.45 a.m., Saturday and Sunday morning here on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. This week on The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah. We'll talk about the gifts God chooses to give or withhold. What we can learn from young children and hear about an upcoming American Conjurai concert featuring the music of J.S. Bach. It's Shavuot, y'all, and Texnec. Is it really a thing? We'll also check out Pastor Jonathan Fisk's new book, Echo. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO. Underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin. Eunice and Lois, Hannah, Rachel, Salome, Bathsheba, Rahab, Rebecca, Elizabeth, and Mary, perhaps no more famous mother that ever existed. Beginning with Eve, in Genesis, said to be the mother of all living things, mothers hold an important role in the Bible. The word mother or mothers appeared in the Bible hundreds of times, even the word mother-in-law literally from a to z from abigail to zipporah there are more than 84 mothers mentioned by name in the old testament alone and many in the new testament attesting to the importance the bible places on motherhood as you engage with the bible you discover many of the mothers mentioned in the bible present qualities that all of us male or female parent or not can strive to emulate in a celebration of mother's day Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. 
welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Pastor Bill Swirl of uh, Trinity Lutheran out in Hacienda Heights, California, and I are talking about motherhood and mothers and biblical mothers and what is a mother. If you want to join in our conversation, you are more than welcome to make a comment or ask a question. You can call us in the St. Louis area at 314-8210-850. Anywhere in North America, toll free at 1-800-730-2727. Or utilizing our more modern technology, you can email us at letstalk at kfuo.org. Boy, that uh, PSA was right on target, wasn't it? That was great. I did a nice summary of all the of all the biblical mothers and the theology of motherhood, starting with Eve and the promise. Uh, it's almost like they were listening. Well, of course they're listening. Everybody. To us, yeah. that's kind of scary to think somebody's listening in here. So, what about hey, what about the concept of the of the we we call the church the mother church. Ah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. The the I was thinking that on Mother's Day in our prayers we ought to and and that that announcement between segments reminded me of this in the same way that we we ought to thank God for four mothers specifically. So Mother Eve, the mother of all the living. In fact, she's given her name Eve, which means life, um, after the promise. And so, so it, it's it's a, it's actually a statement of faith. Uh, she's the mother of the living, even though they've sinned and are banished from the garden. She's the mother of the living because of the promise. But so, Mother Eve and Mother Mary, who is the culmination and the fulfillment of Mother Israel and all the mothers that came before her, some of which those uh, that uh, Ad named, and uh, second is Mary, and third, our mom. Under the fourth commandment, father and mother, <laughs> uh, our mom, no matter how good or heroic or unheroic she was, as Luther said, if all she did was to give birth to you, you ought to thank God for that, because we're, <laughs> we're not for mom, you wouldn't be here. So, okay, good. Um, so thank God for mom, because through her comes your life. Uh, and then fourth, the one you mentioned, uh, sometimes we forget, even as Christians, that we're doubly born. We're born flesh, born of flesh, from mom, uh, with some help from dad. And we are spirit, born of spirit, uh, in our baptism. Mm. And so, uh, kind of like our Lord, we have God as our father, and we have a virgin mother, namely the church. Yeah. And so the church, as, as Paul says in Galatians, uh, heavenly Jerusalem is our mother from above, and so uh, I think what better day to kind of round the festivities out than to thank God for Holy Mother Church, uh, who birthed us in the water of baptism. Well, you know, in my congregation uh, at St. James in University City, uh, we at the announcements, we will the pastor will uh, celebrate everyone's birthday, but then he'll also celebrate their rebirth day. Mm-hmm. And he'll name the person and give the person by name and say, this is her rebirth. This is when they were baptized. And it's a you know, w- it's, wonderful tradition. It's funny because we are accustomed, because of our evangelical friends, to speak of being born again. Uh, began, you know, that's kind of the parlance of evangelicalism. We sometimes uh, forget that that's a referent to baptism, that when we are born spirit of spirit in baptism by water and the spirit. 
but sometimes we don't necessarily draw out what those implications are. One of them, of course, is our being seemal, that we're both flesh and spirit. We are, we are both sinner and saint by our two births. We're mm. born sinners, we're reborn saints. Uh, but it also means that we essentially have two mothers. And you catch some of the implicit motherhood speech in the Bible, for example, in First Peter, where uh, Peter addresses the newly baptized, and he calls them newborn babies uh, who crave the pure spiritual milk of the word. So, so the 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 baptized believer then is compared to the the nursing child who, having been birthed, uh, now returns to mother to be nourished. And that's that's in there carefully. It's a very careful image in the Bible, but it's very much in there. The Bible has a lot of symbolism in it. I, 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 I you know, being a practical 21st century American, I kind of wish it was a little bit more exact on things. And but this, I suppose, was how people thought back then. They they thought in terms of allegory. Well, I, I prefer the term, you said symbol, and I'm going to kind of tweak that a little bit. I, I prefer the term image, um, because image is at the heart of imagination, and and words stimulate the imagination. Think about like when you read a novel or you listen to a radio show. There are pictures that are formed in your mind by those words. Oh, yeah. And see, and I think faith is a part of that kind of activity of of imaging that which cannot be imaged. You can't image God, but but the word stimulates faith's imagination. And so, so uh, the the Bible is really an image book. I, I think you're you're spot on there. It's not a textbook. It's not a manual. Uh, it's certainly not a, a kind of a propositional sort of. You know, if, if all God wanted to do is to convey information he could have probably done it in about 10 quick sentences and be done but but instead he gives us this collection of images and narratives people history countries um and and so the images that it it uses are ones that are rooted in our humanity you know you can't think about god in god terms you can only think about god in human terms because that's as high as we go and so images are important. Symbols, symbols are, for me, um, these are images that are invested with meaning, and we will tell you what the meaning is. See, so like a flag is a symbol. It really is nothing but a piece of cloth, but we'll tell you what it means. Ah, that's a now, a point. sacrament is not a symbol. A sacrament, God tells you what it is. <laughs> that's a little different. Uh, so the bread is not a symbol of the body of Christ, nor is it an image of the body of Christ. It, it is the body of Christ because the word discloses that. That's a kind of a unique category. But still, the, the category of bread conjures up lots of images, as does wine and feasting and joy and sustenance and all of this other stuff. And that's all kind of part of it. It's not the main thing. The main thing in the Lord's Supper, of course, is body and blood. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're looking at really at kind of the composite image of mother, Mother Eve, Mother Mary, mom, our mom, whether she be alive or with the Lord, and uh, Mother Church. And in a sense, they share a commonality. We owe our lives to these 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 mothers. Oh, that's absolutely true. I mean, I, 
<clears throat> I look back on my mother. Uh, she uh, joined the Lord back in 1998. Uh, but I, what a... Re- Remarkable person she was. To this day, I will say honestly that she is the strongest woman I've ever known in my life. Huh. Well, it takes great strength to be a mother. <laughs> it has to be with my brother and me as uh, the offspring. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I remember the days. Okay, you know, I was kind of raised by two uh, two German mothers, really. So you can psychoanalyze oh, yeah. that all you want. Uh, but my grandmother lived with us. My mother's mother lived with us. Same thing uh, with me. And that leaves, believe me, as you know, this leaves an indelible mark that years of psychotherapy can't fix. But, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's fine. But the, 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 the beautiful thing is about that list of mothers, Eve, Mary, our mom, the church, those are all, they're all sinners, including the church, you know, and, and yet they are instruments of God. And, and God in his mercy and his grace has, has given us these, these nurturing women. And uh, but they, they are also in the unenviable position of being judge, as I indicated before. They are judges of temporal righteousness, and it goes this way: Mom, he hit me. Mom, he took my car. Mom, you know this. <laughs> mom, that, and and at least in the paradigm I grew up, you know, mom was at home, dad was at work, and so who has to enforce the law, judge the law, and apply the sentence? Mom. See, <laughs> no, yeah. no television until you do your homework. Yeah, yeah, and you can't really, literally wait till your dad gets home because then the crisis just continues or the the punishment becomes meaningless. And so, mom, the the sad thing is that very often dad becomes kind of the gospel dad because because yeah. he, he doesn't have a dog in the hunt. He's been at work all day and he comes home and says, oh, they're there. And mom's the one that has to bear the brunt of you're grounded for life or go to your room or, you know, whatever. And well, and so I, I feel for mothers because they're right in the thick of the sinner versus sinner conflict. And they're called upon to adjudicate temporal righteousness. It's it's a very <laughs> difficult position. Well, you know, especially in, in the situation where you and I both were in, where we both had the, the mother and the grandmother in the same house, uh, where the mother is juggling her role as a daughter, as a mother herself, as a wife, as a manager of a household. Good Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and not only that, but she she has her mentor, that is her mother, watching mm. over her every move. And and it really wasn't until later that I was privy to that anxiety and to talk mm. with my mom about how difficult that could be sometimes. Because Grandma wasn't that old when she joined uh, the the family, and Grandma was widowed in the war, and so. Uh, it's like having your, you know, whatever, your professor, your instructor, your mentor constantly watching over everything you do, how you're raising the kids, how you're cooking dinner, how you're keeping the household. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, in, in German standards are high when it comes to those things. <laughs> and, and so so I think it's an added added little pressure. And it, it's it's hard to tell your own mother to butt out. You know, because this ain't, this is not, these are my kids, they're not your kids. I remember um, (laughs) back when I was a kid, when my grandmother was living with us, there was this commercial, I think it was for Excedrin headaches or whatever it was. (laughs) A lot of those. And there was this 
the, the commercial had the, uh, the the woman was having a headache and her mother comes in and tells her how to do something and the woman turns and screams, Mother, please, I'd rather do it myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but of course, you know, being being German, you don't do that. <laughs> you you swallow it. <laughs> I I have I have to say that. Uh, are you a firstborn son? No, I'm the oh, I'm not. the baby. Oh, you're the you're the you're the family comedian or whatever, huh? <laughs> yeah. the, 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 but when you get down when you get down to the caboose in the family, you know what are they going to do? You got your overachieving sister, you've got your sports minded brother. Everyone's mm. got trophies all over the place, and so what are you going to do? You, you you become a stand up comic. You, you do something. You, there's there's got to be a way to get attention your way, and all your siblings have already exhausted the honorable paths, right? <laughs> Oh, I was I was a quiet little kid. I th- oh, at okay. least I'm remembering remembering it that way. Those are the that. dangerous ones. Yeah, they're scheming. <laughs> they they're just they're just looking. I remember my first act of rebellion was when I was in college. Now, mother knew two things beyond any shadow of a doubt. One was that God was a Missouri Synod Lutheran. <laughs> and the she other was completely is completely convinced of that fact. Yes. Yeah. And she also knew that God was a was an FDR Democrat. Okay, so she has his religion and politics yeah. down firmly. Yeah, that's they all, well, I, I know a lot of people who think that way. Well, when I went to college, <laughs> one side or the other, <laughs> I was in college in the sixties. You know, this is a time of all this upheaval on campus, and everybody's rebelling and screaming. So I decided to get involved in campus activism. So what did oh, I do? Okay. Mm-hmm. I joined the College Young Republicans. Oh. Are you, were you rebelling against mom? Oh my gosh, <laughs> you would not believe the crisis that caused. <laughs> I, I actually think that the the life of most young men is 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 really the struggle to free himself from his mother. <laughs> Maybe I'm disclosing a little bit too much there. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> it, whenever people refer to like mother church or mother synod, that can sometimes cause cause one to just kind of grit your teeth. <laughs> I can't get away from mother no matter what. Yeah. In many ways, it kind of explains that. I think it explains church life in many ways when you have, you know, basically a male clergy and, and, and they're all under the thumb of their synodical mother. <laughs> yes, I suddenly have more compassion at conventions. <laughs> I just like I said, oh, there goes another firstborn. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. But, you know, for all, for all her flaws, and she she you know moms moms are all sinners born in sin. They they they're carrying on the fine tradition of Eve. Um, nevertheless, for the most part, uh, and certainly with me, uh, mom is a great blessing. My my mom is is eighty nine years old now, huh. still still living in the house we grew up. In, oh, that's good. And uh, and, and she's she's. The things I remember about her the most uh, were she she was um, always involved in our lives. She's just kind of like community leaders, you know, you know, president of the PTA and very much involved in our school life, which meant we couldn't get away with anything. Oh, yeah. Um, you sure, always, are you sure we aren't brothers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we could be. Um, always baked. There's always the smell of baking going on. Mm. And... Uh, uh, mom was mom was an okay cook. She didn't get a lot of positive reinforcement because dad was kind of meat and potatoes linear at the table. So, but but mom mom was a great baker and loved to bake. And I kind of I think I learned my my passion for bread making just by watching mom oh. 
in action making, you know, the Christmas stolen and some of the other breads that she liked to make. And so it's kind of fun. I'm going to go see her uh, next week, but uh-huh. it's kind of it's kind of fun to come and bring home a loaf of bread that I baked for mom and she loves it. And she that's well, my, so cool. my mother was not a good cook mm. and she said it was intentional. <laughs> okay. That was so that my brother and I, when we got married, would never say to our wives, boy, mom did it better. Oh, such self-sacrifice on the part of your mother. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, but that was so typical of her. When she passed away, uh, my my brother and I, she, she had been, she and my dad had been living in a retirement community in Florida. And... Uh, she died rather suddenly, and my brother and I went out to uh, take care of the matters, and we had a a, a memorial service for her at the uh, retirement home, and all her friends are gathered there, and my brother kicks it off at the eulogy, and he described her perfectly. He said she wasn't so much a woman as she was an a force of nature. <laughs> That's right. There, there are women, and then there's mom. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, I got up and I that said, I got up and I said, uh, we knew that she died suddenly because she didn't list it in her day book. Ah, it hadn't hadn't planned on that one today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the type of woman she was. When we went through the uh, when we went through the uh, apartment. Uh, she had everything laid out, you know. It, it, the, this goes to my this goes to my sister Carla. This goes oh. to my niece Laura. Oh, tell me about this. Yes, yes. I, every time I go home, we get we I get the inventory and the rundown, mm. and 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 uh, plus my mom is obsessed with getting rid of excess stuff. Which, you know, I appreciate this because I've seen it. So the parents die and then you've got this household of these two hoarders, you know, that you have to kind of sort through. And it's it's just a nightmare. I'm not dealing with this. My mom is is just systematically cleaning the house out. I expect one day to come and visit her and find her sleeping on a bare mattress in an empty (laughs) house. Yeah, my parents got rid of most of their things at the age. They weren't. They were not. Um, they were not hoarders. Yeah, no. My mom is is the model of German efficiency and organization. Everything in the basement is labeled and neatly boxed. And and as I said, she's bent on getting rid of everything. And and sometimes you have to put the brakes on it. Mom, don't get rid of that. Take it. I can't take it. I'm flying. Okay, but we'll we'll just just. Just keep it here. We know where it is, but don't get rid of that. But it's it's kind of funny. But she was she ran a very very um, orderly, organized household, as you would expect a German mother to do. <laughs> you could eat dinner off the basement floor; it was perfectly safe. I mean, the the, 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 the floor is cleaner than my table. Okay, and uh, and then Grandma would, of course, always come come in behind just in case Mom missed a spot. So that's story. That's why I can't make a bed. I, I, I cannot make the bed because no sooner did you spring from bed, you had two mothers making the bed. <laughs> well, you wouldn't do it right. <laughs> no, of course you wouldn't do it right. If you tried and it was all crooked, and boom, you came home from school. That thing was just perfect. It was military perfect. And so why bother? You know, I'm just going to get back into it anyway. <laughs> well, when, <laughs> when dad was overseas during the war, what does my mother do? She tries to enlist in the, the Women's Army Corps. The Army Air Corps. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the Army wouldn't take her. <laughs> I said, no, 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 your husband's already overseas. You've got a child. No. <laughs> Man, she was a force of nature. 
the, you know, the thing I remember from my mom, or the thing that I, I appreciate about my mom now, my mom was a very, very, very smart woman. Uh, she worked uh, some of the time uh, because she had the luxury of grandma at home, so we are kind of an extended family. Mm-hmm. But she was a comptometer operator, so she was in accounting. And a comptometer is before there was um, Lotus and before there was Excel. There was this thing with lots of buttons on it. And, and she was very good. She's very detailed and really good with money. She's really good. She handled the uh, all the the family finances and uh, until my dad retired, and then he kind of took over, which was kind of unfortunate because mom had been running the household the whole time. And uh, but today, I'm amazed. I come, I talk to her. She is internet savvy. She is good with the computer, and and you know she gets a little confused now and then, as we all do. But email, online transactions, no problem. Mom's on board with this. And she just teaches herself this stuff. She's, she's really sharp. <laughs> I know how that goes. 89. 89. And she says, oh, I don't understand this computer stuff. Okay, Mom, show me, what's the, show me what the problem is. She sits down. She's just gunning through this thing. Hey, Mom, slow down. I can't keep up here. You know, it's, it's great. <laughs> it's, it's, I love it. Oh, that's the way they were. I remember uh, <laughs> one thing we did not do in my house. We were not allowed to any cursing at all. None. Oh, no, 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 no. One exception. Oh, I hope there's an exception. Tell and me. <laughs> the only exception to that was my grandmother. And uh, she, uh, even though she was born in this country, she learned English as a second language. And uh, she had a passion for pinnacle. And okay. when she had a bad hand at pinnacle... <laughs> I found out later on that she would let loose with some of these expressions in German. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, and German is good. That's good for cussing. That's a good language. <laughs> so she was the only one who could get away with it, and it had to be in German. Oh, funny. Uh, yeah, I probably know some of those phrases, too, because I'm sure I heard them as a child with two German <laughs> two German mothers. <laughs> well, I did, learn, I did learn how to say grandma, horse excrement yeah. in German. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's... that's uh, gra- grandma had some stock phrases that I can still repeat, but I won't on the air for fear oh, of what don't. I'm going to say. But <laughs> We have too many German speakers in the audience. Yeah, it's kind of funny when the kids get back and we all are kind of we're we're kind of loose with the tongue and and you know we're all adults and we're sitting around and somebody'll let loose with something and mom just just lights into us. She just hates that to this day. She she does not like uh, coarse language. Oh yeah. I remember I came back from college uh and I was in a fraternity, so you can you can imagine the environment. Yeah, you pick up some bad habits with the Greeks, don't you? <laughs> and uh, I let loose. I wouldn't say I let loose. I let slip a slip, word. Yes, right. Something I wouldn't say on the air. And I did. And I, I realized as soon as I said it, I said, did I just say that in front of my mother? <laughs> I remember fairly recently, I was trying to convince my mother that a cussing was good for you because they, they've studied this and they found that it releases tension and, and, and anxiety so uh, and that there's a distinction between being blasphemous taking our lord's name or religious things in in vain and uh and just being kind of coarse but she was having none of this she just wasn't buying this argument at all so. <laughs> no no she wouldn't so i just i just cussed and let it drop <laughs> <laughs> Well, I let my mother and my grandmother uh, discuss that in their language. It was funny when my uh, sisters, when my aunts got together, uh, they were all bilingual. 
and they would lapse back and forth between German and English in mid-sentence and wouldn't even be aware they were doing it. Yeah, I had worse because I had Bavarian dialect, which oh, is gosh. kind of that's 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 it's really not German. <laughs> At least most German speakers will tell you that, but <laughs> but it's kind of like well, it's it's just it's a dialect. It is what it is. But but I I have a very good ear for for uh, Bavarian dialect because of mom and grandma. Oh, I remember and, uh, Hochdeutsch and Plattdeutsch. There was a big yeah, difference. Yeah, well, Plattdeutsch is something else again. Bavarian dialect is something else yet again, and they have they they are very colorful uh it, there's some very colorful phrases but well thank, i hate to say it bill but our time has gone <laughs> <laughs> i want to tell our audience <clears throat> that you've been listening to let's talk the pastor is in today's guest was bill swirlard we were talking about mothers mom and i want to give special thanks to pastor emeritus fritz bowie for letting us use his recording of all glory laud and honor till next friday we'll be back listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.